Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am the host of this podcast. And if this is your first time listening, man, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Our heart at the Bible in Life is to provide what I call blue jeans theology. That is down-to-earth Bible teaching, Bible teaching that's rooted in the context of everyday life, that's spoken in the language of everyday life, so that we can learn and follow Jesus right right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's what we're all about here on the show. And if you're a regular listener, man, thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. If you're a supporter and donor who makes this possible, thanks a ton for your support. You make this ministry possible, and we're partners in spreading the Word of God in this way. So thanks a ton, and I'm glad you're here. Over the last handful of uh, weeks, we've just been exploring some things related to the Old Testament law. Part of it motivated by the fact that I'm working on some writing projects that require me to take some of the things I've studied about the Old Testament law and use them in some uh, notes and some of that sort of thing, and I just haven't taught it tons, and so I want to get some of my the stuff I've studied over the last decade particularly, get some of those organized in my mind so that when I when I do those writing projects, it helps. But also uh, because I just think the Old Testament law is an area that we as Christians struggle with. We struggle to read and understand. We struggle to understand what it's all about. We say things about it that aren't accurate. And um, we have a fundamental misunderstanding of it that we talked about in last week's episode, where we tend to think of it as all rules and works and earning your salvation. That's not what it's about. If you haven't listened to last week, you need to go back and check that out, because that was really the topic in question that we looked at last week. And so we've just been exploring this, trying to understand how the Old Testament law works and how we should read it. Now, if we're being honest, even if we have a healthy framework, and even if we have a, a rich understanding of the cultural background. There's things in the Old Testament law that are hard. There's things that don't make sense. There's specific commands that leave us scratching our heads. So let's just be honest about that. Let's have a, a little bit of just humility. Like we, we're probably not going to figure it totally out. All right. Like we didn't live then. There's things that don't make sense. We're probably missing some data. And so we're going to scratch our head a little bit. But we can read it well, and we can read it wisely, and we can benefit from that reading. That's what I'm learning, and that's what I'm hoping to share, you know, on these episodes related to it, is that the, there is great benefit in the law. As long as we understand it rightly, the way it intended to be understood, we can read it well, even if we can't understand everything in it. So that's what we're doing. We're exploring some of that, and uh, on last week's uh, episode, we talked about how the the Old Testament law in total is a narrative. It's a story. And the specific laws within the Torah, within those five books, the specific stipulations, commands, and laws within it are set in that narrative framework. And that's super, super important. Not only just for the law, but for the whole Bible, that the whole Bible is a narrative. It's a story that, you know, meanders and wonders and has plot twists and turns. But that story all culminates in the person of Jesus. And he is the great climax of the story. He's the climax of the Old Testament story. He's the climax even of the law, that, that the law and the story 
uh, leads up to Jesus. And so if we're going to read the, the Bible well, we've got to read it as this narrative uh, of which Jesus is the culmination. That, that's why, though usually it's best to begin you know, in one of the Gospels, Luke, Mark, Matthew, whatever, to be, begin in one of the Gospels, it's helpful to us to do that. We need to recognize that when we read in the Gospels, if that's where we, we begin, it's like walking into a movie, you know, 65, 70% of the way through it. Like you show up at a friend's house, you knock on their door, um, you know, there's a delay, and then all of a sudden they come to the door, they open the door, and they're like, oh, hey, glad to see you. Dude, we're right in the middle of a movie, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to interrupt. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, no, come on in. Just hang out with us. We're, we're The movie will be over in like 30, 40 minutes. Hang out. We'll, we'd love to talk with you. So you sit down, and you begin to watch the movie, and you're lost. You're confused, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Because you missed the first 60 or 70 minutes of the movie, you don't have a clue what's going on. That's what happens when we pick up in Matthew or Luke, right? Like we're 65 or 70 percent of the way through the biblical story and there's echoes and resonances and repetitions and things that are building on stuff that came before. And if we don't know what came before, we miss it. And a good chunk of that all flows out of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law. And so you have the laws within the law, which is part of a greater story that culminates in Jesus. And it's really, really important for us to recognize that and learn to read the Bible that way. And when we approach the Old Testament law that way, man, it's just helpful. And so one of the ways we should read the Old Testament law is we should read it as roots, like roots of the biblical story, roots of Jesus, roots of the New Testament letters, like the roots of our family history. They, they go back to Abraham. And Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 that anyone who has faith in Jesus is a descendant, a, an offspring of Abraham. So he's our patriarch. He's our founding father. Even if we're not Jews, if we're in Christ, we're also in Abraham. And so that's our family heritage, our spiritual family heritage. And so we need to learn to read it that way, to, to read it as roots of our story, roots of our faith. It goes clear back there. It's not like we can just, you know, cut all that off, throw that away, and we replanted a brand new tree with Jesus. No, we're this is the same tree that grew out of that. And so we need to read it that way. And we need to understand it in those terms. That really would help us make more sense out of what's going on. So one way to read it is just to read it as roots. Now, another thing that's really, really important, in addition to reading it as a narrative, reading it as our story, right, our faith story, um, reading it for our roots. In addition to that, another thing that's really important is to recognize that the law, particularly the specific commands, the laws, the 613 laws within the law, those, the law is a covenant. It's a covenant. It's that word, that idea is embedded in our, our division of the Bible. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament is trying to capture that idea of covenant. So old covenant, new covenant. It's trying to capture that idea uh, that there was an old covenant, there was a new covenant. Well, the law itself is a covenant, and it's specifically a covenant that God made with Israel 
in the narrative, the story that we talked about last week, when he brought them out of Egypt and redeemed them by his strong right hand, right? Like God redeemed them and delivered them from their bondage and their slavery and redeemed them. And then at that point, he made a covenant with them. And that covenant is the laws. And that covenant is very much stated in the terms of an ancient Near Eastern covenant, where there's stipulations of the covenant, and then there are promises and curses, right? Like blessings and curses. If you keep the covenant, here's what, what is going to happen. If you break and violate the covenant, here's what's going to happen. It, it was a covenant stated in terms they understood in their cultural context. And again, we just have to remember that. Uh, I, I really like the way one uh, scholar said it, that the the Old Testament, the laws within the law, the laws, it, it really describes God's ways in Moses's day. And um, that's even why in Jesus's day, the Jews of Jesus' day are debating how it applied in their day. And they're you have different rabbinic schools in Jesus' day trying to figure out what do we do with some of these laws in our cultural context because the situation has changed and the circumstances have changed. So how does that play out and how does that apply in our day? They're wrestling with how to take what was given to Israel, um, you know, 1,500 years before Jesus as God made a covenant with them and how to apply it in their, their time and place. And if they were wrestling with that as Jews, how much more so us? 2,000 years after the time of Jesus. So we need to learn to read the law in its original context as a covenant that God made with Israel after he redeemed them out from Egyptian slavery. In other words, it's God's covenant with Israel. With Israel. And Throughout the Old Testament story, continuing into the New Testament, it becomes clear that this covenant isn't working. Israel is breaking the covenant. And in fact, the, the book of Deuteronomy within the law tells us what, like prophetically and predictively, what's going to happen. That Israel is going to be unfaithful to covenant. Moses can see it. God's given prophetic insight. He can see it, that they're going to be unfaithful. They're going to violate the covenant. And the curses of the covenant that are very much tied to the land of promise are going to be affected and enacted because of their unfaithfulness to that covenant. And in breaking that covenant, they will experience the consequences of their unfaithfulness to the covenant, the ultimate one of which is exile from their land. And as we read the Old Testament story, we know that's what happened. Israel was unfaithful to the covenant. Um, God was patient. He kept sending them prophets, trying to call them back to their covenant. They kept violating the covenant. And ultimately, that led to exile. Um, being banished from the land that God gave them as part of the covenant promises. And so now they're exiled from the land. Well, as God sent those prophets to them, one of those prophets, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, said that, look, someday God's going to make a new covenant with you. He's going to make a new covenant, and he's going to write your his laws on your heart and on your mind, and you will actually keep them. Like, the, the, there's going to be a change um, in this updated new covenant that God's going to make in which there will be a change of heart and you'll actually now obey God and be faithful to him as God 
always wanted, but this particular covenant isn't the final plan for that and isn't the final answer for that. And then you get in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, where the author of Hebrews quotes that very passage from Jeremiah 31 and says, that's now happened in Jesus, that that new covenant has been put into effect in and through Jesus. And so the, the, the old covenant that was God's covenant with Israel has been culminated in and fulfilled in Jesus. And in Jesus now, that new covenant has been put into effect. And so in him, uh, God's people are now being formed. And in him, they are, they are now in covenant relationship with God. This is what the Apostle Paul means in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, when he says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That the law, as a covenant, has reached its culmination point in Christ, in Jesus. And so now righteousness is found in Christ, not in Torah. That's really important. And so as we learn to read the the Old Testament law as a covenant, we need to remember that it was God's covenant with Israel, but it's not God's covenant with us as God's people today. God's covenant now is in Jesus, who is the culmination of the fulfillment of the law. And thus, as Paul says there in Romans 10, 4, he's the end of the law, the telos. He is both the goal and the end point. The law was aiming towards Jesus, and it arrived at its culmination point when Christ came, and that therefore ended it as a covenant, as God's covenant with his people. The covenant now is in Christ. And so um, it's like the imagery Paul is actually using is like running a race. Once you reach the finish line, right? Once you reach the finish line, the race is over. Well, Jesus was the finish line. He's the culmination of that. Another analogy that's super helpful to me is uh, pregnancy and childbirth. Childbirth ends pregnancy, but it doesn't abolish it. doesn't abolish it. What childbirth does is it culminates it. It fulfills it. Everything pregnancy was aiming for reaches its end point and its goal in childbirth. Well, the same is true for Jesus, that the everything the Old Testament law was aiming for and working towards and was about in the long run reaches its culmination point in Jesus. And so Christ is the end of the law because the law was a covenant, and it was specifically a covenant with Israel. And so any non-Jews who wanted to be a part of that covenant needed to be circumcised and become a part of the nation of Israel. And you see the apostles wrestling with that, like in Acts 15 and throughout the book of Acts, where they're wrestling with, does that same thing pertain now? Well, they decided, no, it doesn't. Why? Because it's now formed in Jesus, not in Torah. So one of the implications of that for us is that Um, While the law is not God's covenant with us, because our covenant is in Christ, uh, even though it's not God's covenant with us, it's still God's word for us. All right, like Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that all scripture, and when Paul says all scripture, he's primarily thinking about the Old Testament. He's thinking about the books of Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and other books in the Hebrew scriptures. And so 
he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God might be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so um, the, the Old Testament, including Genesis through Deuteronomy, the law is not God's covenant with us because God is covenanted with us now in Jesus. That's where his righteousness is found is in Christ. And yet those books are still God's word for us. They're still scripture. And they still teach us. They're still profitable. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that these things were written, and he's actually talking about some things out of the book of Exodus when he says this, these things were written as examples for us on whom the end of the ages have come. Like, they are instructive to us. We learn from them. And so they're still profitable and they're useful for us as teaching and training and helping us understand um, who God is and God's priorities and God's value systems and all of that, even though they're not God's covenant with us. And so we need to learn to read them from the perspective of the new covenant, looking at them through Jesus and, and learning from them about, all right, how does that come into our period and our covenant now in Christ? So you see things like, um, like the apostles writing in the Gospels about Jesus when Mark kind of editorializes on Jesus' stuff about when Jesus says it's not what goes into the body that makes a person unclean, but what comes out of the heart that makes a person unclean. And then Mark editorializes and says, uh, in this way, Jesus declared all foods clean. And so, all right, that's the, the food laws of the Old Covenant that's not really what we're supposed to learn from that at this point. What are we supposed to learn? And what Mark is helping us see and what Jesus is teaching is that the, the categories of clean and unclean, defiled and undefiled, still pertain. They're just different. In fact, the food laws were, in a very real sense, what Mark and Jesus seem to be getting at in that text in the gospel, is that those laws were really like in a giant object lesson about the importance of clean and unclean. But what really matters is the heart. And clean and unclean, ultimately, that which really makes a person unclean and defiles him is what comes out of the heart. And so uh, when we read the, the Old Testament law as a covenant and we look at it through the lens and the filter of Jesus and the new covenant, what we realize is those food laws those are primarily supposed to be instructive about the importance of clean and unclean. They're symbolic that we are supposed to be distinct from the nations around us. And we do that by the purity of our lives, by what comes out of our heart. In fact, the book of Leviticus actually really kind of anticipates what Jesus is saying and gives credence to it when it gives the rationale for clean and unclean laws. Leviticus chapter 20 says this, it says that God says, I, I, I'm the one that made you myself. I've called you to myself. I'm going to give you a good land, and I've separated you from the peoples of that land. Therefore, you're to make a distinction between clean and unclean. Do you hear that? That you're supposed to make this distinction between clean and clean as a kind of a, a symbolic act, as a way of distinguishing yourself from the nations around you. They did these things, but I've separated you for myself. And so you're supposed to make this distinction because I've set you apart from the peoples as mine. And so 
the food laws, those clean and unclean laws, really were like a giant object lesson, a, a symbol lesson about the importance of being distinct and different. And so Jesus takes that and he says, look, what really matters isn't the food laws. It's the purity of your lives. That's how you make yourself distinct among the nations. And thus Mark editorializes in this way, he declared all foods clean. So let's summarize what, what we've said. We have said that the, the Old Testament law is a covenant. Specifically, it was God's covenant with Israel for that nation to set them apart from the nations around them, uh, that they might be a distinct and holy people. And we read in our last episode, Exodus 19, how they're supposed to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. So the law is God's covenant with them. Um, the, that covenant reached its culmination in Jesus, and God's people are now formed in Jesus and in, through him. But even though the Old Testament law is not God's covenant with us, it still is God's word for us. And the way we read that is we read that through the lens of the New Testament and the lens of Jesus trying to understand it. And some things are going to come across straight as. Um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That comes across straight as, right? Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, that comes across straight as. We're still supposed to do that. That gets repeated over and over again. Some things are going to be set aside. Sacrifices, Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice, sacrifice is done, right? That we, we no longer need any sacrifices for sin because Jesus is the ultimate and final sacrifice. Some things get modified, like the food laws, clean and unclean, still pertain, still matter. But now it has to do with the purity and the holiness of our lives. And so uh, we read the old covenant law through the, the filter and the grid of the new covenant, and it changes how we see things and how we hear things. Now, again, as I noted at the outset, there's still going to be plenty of things that leave us scratching our head. There's parts of uh, those rules and laws that are embedded in Leviticus or Exodus where it's like, ah, I just don't fully get that. And some of those, we're just not living in their time and place. We not sure exactly what it even referred to. So that's going to happen. But if we learn to read it this way and we recognize, okay, uh, it's, it's a covenant. It's just not our covenant, but it still is God's word because all scripture is inspired. And we learn tons about God's value system and priorities when we understand these laws rightly. God was giving wisdom to Israel in their time and place to set them apart from the nations so that they would be seen as a wise and understanding people. And if we'll read the Old Testament law that way, and we'll begin to hear some of the wisdom and the justice and God's concerns for the poor and the, the oppressed and the downtrodden, we hear God's concerns for love and for purity. Like When we read it and we hear those things, man, it teaches us about the value system and the priorities of God. And in doing so, we learn God's ways, we learn God's word, and we can be shaped and formed by them. May we never forget that the Old Testament law was the law that shaped Jesus' value system. And may we learn to read it shoulder to shoulder with him 
and his apostles so that we can figure out what it teaches us about following God today in our time and our place. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode. I pray that it's helpful to you as you just continue to learn the scriptures and follow God. And thanks to each and every one of you who donate to make this ministry possible. Your gifts are making a difference in hundreds and thousands of people's lives all around the world. So thanks a ton for that. I pray you guys have a wonderful week in Christ. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.